Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see him for who he is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey everybody, welcome to the B4 podcast. My name is Alex. And I'm Ashley. And hey, together we are the hosts of this podcast. And today, Mm -hmm. Ashley, what are we talking about? We are talking about clickbait and trigger words. Yeah, we're continuing our conversation about grace in the tension. And we want to talk about language today. Mm -hmm. Because we've had a couple of conversations offline, not on the podcast, because we do that. Um, yeah. about how either we've had misunderstandings about language or we've talked with people that have had misunderstandings about language right. and the importance of having grace in those situations. Now, you came up with this catchy title, Clickbait and Trigger Words. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit, what are those? What does that mean? Yeah, so we can do clickbait first because clickbait <laughs> is more fun. <laughs> I so agree. So we've all been on the internet, I would assume, and usually well, at the end I don't know if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast unless you've gotten on the yeah, internet. I, I think you have to be on the internet to get to this. Um, but, you know, you'll get to the end of an article and at the end there's something like, man tries to hug a wild lion. You won't <laughs> believe what happens next. Or some 90s star that right. they're like, where is this person now? Or these twins were most called the most beautiful in the world. And it's a picture of like two very pretty eight-year-old girls. You won't believe what they look like now. Um Anything that has a catchy headline that may or may not actually have something of substance in it is what we would call clickbait. (laughs) I was right before this, I was looking at like uh, Yahoo.com, scrolling through all the things. And there was a picture of an airplane that had clearly (laughs) been photoshopped (laughs) like a convertible. But in the airplane, they placed a photoshopped like roller coaster where people would be sitting with their hands up in the air. And uh, that was the picture. And right next to it, the text was, you can't believe that these 15 planes existed. <laughs> and I can't believe that that one exists because not only did that look stupid, right. but it was clearly Photoshop because all the dimensions were off. The people all, well, were far too big yeah. to be in that plane. <laughs> the people were bigger than like the whole <laughs> wheel and wheelbase. But Unless it was an entire plane of like Goliaths. <laughs> that's not working. I desperately wanted to click on it, though, because I wanted to know what, <laughs> what do these the 15 airplanes look like, you know? But I think that, you know, each of these things, they illustrate a little bit about what we're talking about. Um, when I was in high school, I took a journalism class and my teacher taught me if it bleeds, it leads. And uh, basically the idea is if a title has shock value of any kind, you put it on the front page so that it grabs people's attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons why we're talking about that is because that whole marketing strategy pretty much messes with our souls yeah it's definitely gotten worse in the last several years especially with the advent of um social media and the fact that often what you may or may not know is that companies are getting paid based on the number of clicks or the number of likes or the number of shares that an article receives so often it's gotten to the point where people don't spend as much time on the actual content of the article as they do having a headline that will cause people to click on it or cause people to share it, sometimes even without clicking on it and reading what it says. Right. So you had an example of something that you had seen fairly recently that was kind of a good example of this. What are you talking about? I don't remember. 
your COVID nineteen example. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was sorry. I'm like, there's so many. There's, there's so many, many of them. Uh, my mind is one. my mind is still on the airplane. <laughs> they look <laughs> they look like a convertible. Yeah. So um, during the early time of the pandemic, we were still trying to figure out how dangerous is coronavirus for young healthy people. And there was an article that came out, I, I, not to throw Yahoo under the bus, but I think it was on Yahoo. And the um, title of the article said, Perfectly Healthy 16-Year-Old Boy Dies of Coronavirus. Now, that's really tragic. And so I clicked on it, and we were already wondering this. And as I started reading through the story, what I realized is this young man, um, this boy, had two pretty serious pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking, um, you know, People probably don't click on that mm-hmm. if it doesn't say perfectly healthy 16-year-old right. boy dies of coronavirus. If it had actually said, you know, 16-year-old boy with two serious pre-existing conditions. Or even moderately healthy boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it that would have been maybe Yeah, true. I mean, because that wasn't the question everybody was right. asking. People kind of knew that pre-existing conditions were a problem. But it just got me thinking about how quickly a marketing scheme right mm-hmm. like you talked about monetizing your clicks can begin to warp you it's a specific use of language that can change the well-being of your soul mm-hmm. and so as we were thinking about that a little bit more we felt like it was important to launch into a broader conversation about language mm-hmm. um which leads to the next yeah. like thing in our title which trigger is trigger words, words. what yeah. is a trigger word and often trigger words will show up in clickbait so uh, a trigger word would be a word or a phrase that might be used that elicits some sort of emotional response in either a lot of people or a particular group of people. Right. So politically across the spectrum, both sides have some trigger words that you say a word and they autom- there are some automatic assumptions that are made about what you're saying, whether or not those are correct or not. Right. Um, and especially in conversations about politics, about race, about other demographic groups, I think the trigger words are more common in a lot of those conversations. Yeah, and I think what both of these two, like, kind of fun, but, like, also very serious ideas um, remind us of is that our language is very powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think as a society and as a culture, we live with the effects of the power of language, but we undervalue the power of our words. Mm -hmm. Um, And why I say that is because we speak way too quickly Mm-hmm. We it, speak often reacting mm-hmm. um, to what we experience, which we've talked yeah. to, and we uh, we underestimate the damage that can be caused by the words we use, but also on the other side of the thing, the life that be, can be given with yeah. the words we use. Well, and I think too we tend to underestimate the power of our own words, mm-hmm. but overestimate sometimes the power of others' words. Yeah. So if somebody uses a term that we don't like or that we have a sp- certain associations tied to that mm-hmm. a trigger word and we make a lot of assumptions about that person based upon their use of that language whereas when we're talking we give ourselves a lot of grace of like oh they knew what i meant yeah. even though often we don't give that to people on the other side whether that's politically or relationally or whatever we can commit either fallacy of either caring too much or not caring enough about yeah. the words that we're using now for us this goes like well beyond just wanting to order our behavior right um there's actually a, like a very deep-seated biblical theology around language mm-hmm. um where does that come from 
I mean, obviously the Bible is a great example, right. but like where specifically like do we see that sort of mind out through scripture? I mean, if we look at the beginning of creation, God creates through words. Yeah, and exactly. even from the beginning, we see that words have power and meaning. And we also have in the New Testament, in the book of John, uh, that whole prologue of Jesus was the word. Right. And the word was God. And the word was with God. So words are clearly powerful in God's estimation and in the way that God has created us. Yeah. Plus, we're the only animals or creatures that talk. <laughs> so, if, so for some reason, that seems to have big significance for God that we're able to communicate in that way. Right. Like he can, unlike all the other animals except for parrots. But <laughs> I don't think parrots really know what they're saying. I think they just want treats. Uh, this is a complete tangent. But <laughs> in the... Um, in the Narnia series, the animals yes. talk. Some of them do, yes. But as time progresses, uh, they get dumber and they're no yeah. longer able to talk. Do you think that that's like what happened to the animals that we're living oh, with today? Oh, I wish that. I've always secretly hoped that most of what is in the Chronicles of Narnia is true. <laughs> so I'd like to think so. I don't know. I've always thought like when Balaam is riding his donkey yeah. and it, the text says that God opened the mouth of the donkey yeah. and he starts just talking, I'm like, I wonder what would happen if God opened the mouth of your dog, Ramsey. Oh, <laughs> like, what be, would Ramsey say? I have some pretty ball, good ball, guesses ball, about walk, walk, walk. I think that's exactly <laughs> what he would be saying. But yes, I would like to be able to speak to him one day yeah. because I'm pretty sure I would be surprised by some things and very not surprised by things. Yeah. <laughs> You've been right this entire time. No, but awesome. y you're right. There is a uniqueness to language. Mm -hmm. God gives that to humans because we're made in God's image. God uses language to shape the universe mm -hmm. um we found in uh quantum physics even that our words can sometimes make light move in different patterns um mm. which is very interesting That's like we really underestimate the ability for the words coming out of our mouth to bring life not death i remember watching a very silly but also pretty interesting youtube video of like a guy who sat there and for like eight days cursed a plant <laughs> Like, and it died. It takes dedication. Right? But then he would walk outside where the other plant couldn't hear him. Or in another room, same environment. Um, and he would bless the plant and the plant thrived. Interesting. Super interesting. This guy was not a believer, but he was just curious to see the power of the spoken word over, like, uh -huh. a p another living thing, right? Yeah. So, um, but I see this played out in my relationships. Mm -hmm. um, even in our friendship, when you and I aren't, like, communicating well. <laughs> that doesn't usually not go well. It doesn't really go no. well. You know what I mean? But the more we work on communicating and, and li like, we begin to iron out the hard parts. Yeah, you know? and one of the things, even in the last couple of months, you yeah. had been a little busier with some things. Yep. And we got a little wonky for a we while. We did. We did. And we realized that that was because we had not been communicating well. That's right. We hadn't had much time to communicate. And the right. times when we were communicating, it was all just problem solving. Right. There was nothing. And so we weren't able to give each other the normal grace that right. we gave each other. So even just referring back to an older episode where you and Brad yeah. talked about the magic ratio. Yeah. That's definitely something that is present in our relationships that if we have multiple interactions, we can have a couple bad ones in there and right. we can continue on. But when we get stuck into where, like thinking particularly about like if you're having discussions with friends or a coworker yeah. or family, if all you're ever doing is arguing about politics or arguing about whatever, right. 
that's not going to go well for the relationship. You have to be able to have some grace in there to be able to talk about different things and make sure that the relationship is healthy in order to have those conversations. Absolutely. And uh, I think like as we as we keep going here, one of the things that comes to my mind is um, my oldest daughter, Scarlett. She's six and a half. Spent a lot of time reminding her the importance of her words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this there's a, a verse in the Proverbs that say the tongue has the power to bring life or death. Mm-hmm. And when you're six and a half, you don't fully understand metaphor. Nope, especially when you have small sisters. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think I read someplace that in our like neurodevelopment, abstract thinking doesn't really like come into play yeah. until we're like 12 13 or 14 years old but i try anyways right <laughs> so try yeah we gotta try <laughs> anything she's like what is this but uh the importance is that she begins to understand that her language is very very important mm-hmm. because um she's entering into a world more and more so where language is not it's dangerous um when used incorrectly but it isn't held in as high as value as it should mm-hmm now, I want to talk a little bit about when I say language can be dangerous. I want to talk a little bit about like why in relationships it can't be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like what is it that when I say something or when you say something, if we're coming from a different place, how that can be dangerous to the relationship? Um, you had an example about a book. Yeah. That we were reading. Yes. Yeah. So um, last year. We went, we were invited, our ch- people from our church were invited to mm-hmm. like a lunch with Latasha Morrison, who wrote a book yeah. called Read the Bridge. And so I had heard about the book, hadn't read it yet, went to this lunch, enjoyed what she had to say, still hadn't read the book. Mm-hmm. And then finally last summer, ordered the book and eventually got around to reading it. That's yeah. how long it took me, almost a year, um, yep. to read the book. And so the book is on, um, what is the subtitle? It's something about bringing about racial reconciliation and the, yeah. the role of the church in that. And so I was reading the book and she kept using the term white supremacy and I felt confused because what she was saying didn't make sense to me of like, you know, she was, I can't think of any specific examples because it's also been a couple months since I reread the book, but she would say, you know, like America is full of white supremacy. And in my mind, when I hear the term white supremacy, what I'm imagining are skinheads, Nazis, KKK, like white supremacist gathering. Yes. And so I was confused because I could tell from context that she wasn't referring to that, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure what she was referring to. So as I was reading, I'm trying to contextually kind of figure out what she meant. And I, what I really wish for that book is that she would have defined that term at the beginning yeah. because it would have saved me a lot of trouble. As it was, <laughs> I came in and had a conversation with Carol Ann yep. of like, how would you, is there another way that this term is used that I'm not aware of? Yeah. Or like that I've kind of been aware of, because again, this has been a term that's been used a lot in culture recently where I'm like, mm-hmm. for the last 20 years, I've always thought that's what this term means is... Yeah. Aryan nation sort of a thing and now I'm hearing it used in a different way and if I would have only accepted the definition that I knew it would have been very easy to argue against the points that she was making in the book right but contextually I could tell she was talking about something else so then I had to be a little graceful in my language to try to figure out what is she actually talking about yeah and do a little exploring on that yeah, that I, the reason why I like that example so much is because one, it illustrates a level of humility in you to say, maybe I don't understand everything that I think I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, yeah. like maybe there's a broader definition to a word that I've always thought I had a good grip on. Yeah, that other people are using. Um, two, you sought out 
like meaningful, close relationships in your life that could help that, you know, could help Mm -hmm. gain a further understanding to it. Um, And the last is like, although you did have an emotional response to it before posting, tweeting or (laughs) like tearing (laughs) Latasha Morrison down, you took some time to like wrestle through that. Yeah. And I think some of that was because I pre-reading the book had some trust for her because she'd been on some podcasts with people I respected. I'd seen her in person. I like what she said in person. Um, So I already had enough trust to be like, I'm pretty sure you don't mean what I think you mean. It just meant that I had to take some time to do some investigation. And while I still would probably be like, I would have used a different term or I would have defined this term. I was at least able to make it through the book and flow with her and be like, okay, like what are, what, what can I glean from this? What are you trying to say? And I can decide whether I agree or disagree with your point, but I have to at least get to the point where I know what your point is. And if I shut down over this language issue, I'm never going to get there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's another, also another reason why I like that example is it is a, another example of what can be a trigger word for someone. Mm -hmm. Um, Trigger words elicit an emotional reaction or response. You hear something and your response to it uh, is heightened, right? Yeah, and it wasn't like, you know, I heard, saw the word white supremacy and I immediately wanted to burst into tears because I had sure. trauma or something. Sure. It was a reaction of, yeah. it was more of a reaction of association. Of right. my association with this term means X, Y, Z, right. but you're trying to use it in this other way yeah. and I'm not sure I know where you're going. And I could yeah. easily lump you into, like, because you've used this term, I'm going to lump you into this category over here without doing any further investigation to understand yeah. what you actually mean by that term. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this has played out a lot and you know, it's interesting to use the example of white supremacy because this has played out a lot in our country around the topic of racism mm-hmm. and a lot in our church around the topic of racism. I have spent pastorally more time with people in the last 14 months talking about racism than I have in the last 13 years of pastoring people. <laughs> Which is sad, I it, think. Yeah, it actually, it is. It, I think it is sad, you know. Um, the reason why is because, like, a, if you were to put on a, a list of sins out there, racism would be one of them. Yes. You know, just like any other sin, it is a sin, yeah. right? And the Bible talks about racism a lot. But those words have become so charged mm-hmm. that um, we have... Uh, responded to both clickbait and trigger words Yeah, as a church, not just before, but as a church in our context mm-hmm. as a whole. Capital C church. Yeah. And so some of those things I've had to come to realize, like when the word racist or racism is used, um, what I may think that word means might be very different from what my parents may think that word means yeah. or their generation. And this, this, this has actually come to me through conversation that oftentimes I've actually had some people say, do you really think I'm that racist? And I was like, Mm -hmm. no, I never said that, but I'd like to know more about what you mean. But when they use the the word, they're referring to a specific time in history when there was slavery or when there was segregation, Mm -hmm. that's what they're thinking. And I'm using the word and thinking something may be different. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that is more oppressive to a people that can be under the radar as much as it can be, um, publicly. And so while we're both talking about the same idea, we have to get the same picture in our head to get yeah. to the same place. We have to have common language in order to actually have a conversation, which right. I think 
in the conversations that I've had with people, sometimes it's just very helpful. And, you know, if I had been talking to Latasha Morrison instead of just reading her book, I probably would have stopped her and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Before we go any further, when you're using this term, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Because it might be that we actually agree, but we're just using different terms mm-hmm. and the terms are getting us caught up rather than the ideas. Yeah. So uh, last spring, I was preaching on Acts chapter two and I used the word privilege in my message. Uh-huh. And I thought a lot about the use of that word, whether or not I would or I wouldn't. And it has netted me a lot of pastoral <laughs> appointments since the day that I did. Um because in the context, and this is, you know, I'll quote myself here. I said, there's always been, since the fall, a privileged group of people in every human civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either ethnically f- focused on religion or socioeconomically, right? The same was true back then. The same is true in the time of the book of Acts. The same is true today. Whoa. <laughs> Talk about hitting a trigger word. Now, I knew that was going to come. And uh, I want to tell you the good side of a trigger word. Because those 15 plus appointments that I have had as a result (laughs) of using that one word have been incredible conversations. And I have been so thankful um, that there is a safe place for people to process those things. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening to this, and even I just triggered you again, (laughs) there is a there's a healthy reality to that. A healthy reality because it, it forces you to do what you did earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, it forces you to examine what you think you know, to seek out people that you trust deeply, and to really take a humble posture before the Lord before you react. Mm-hmm. And I would just encourage you if you're listening to this um, and you hear anything anywhere, follow those three steps. I think mm-hmm. that's vitally important for your witness to Jesus in the world. Yeah, I think we've been talking a lot about grace and I think that's one of the best ways that we can show grace is Mm -hmm. to not when someone uses a term that we have associations with to not assume that they have those same associations. Yeah. Um, and I think that would save us a lot of trouble in both again, politics, religion, relationships, all of the things, because we're all, no matter what the topic is that we're talking about, we're all coming to the table with baggage and it's a lot easier for us to actually be able to communicate well if we acknowledge the baggage that we're carrying. Sure. And also, if we take the time to examine the other person's baggage to know, okay, when you're doing this, it's not really about, like, we used to do this in marriage all the time. Right. Of, oh, like, this thing that I've done, it's not actually about me. It's about this thing that happened to you when you were a kid. Right. Or the way that your parents did this thing or whatever. And we have right. the same thing with language. We just right. have, we're just not as aware of that, I think. Yeah as maybe we should be well and i think there's also times when like our language gets in the way because Mm -hmm. we may both be able to agree that there is Mm -hmm. a problem but we have to get there right Mm -hmm. we have to find a way to get there um we usually don't disagree on the problem we usually disagree on the best way to find a solution yeah right we see that in politics all the time but the problem is is we never progress beyond our disagreement about yeah. if there is a problem or not. So how can we ever find our way to a place where we make a solution? Yeah, if we get so caught up in the language of trigger words and clickbait and all this yeah. stuff where that's what we're talking about instead of the actual issues, we'll never actually yeah. solve any of the actual that's issues. Right. We'll just be arguing about which terms are better and whether your term is appropriate or not yeah. or whatever. And there is a certain hospitality that we have to have in our right. language if we both want to be able to come to the table and actually communicate 
there has to be that grace and there has to be that hospitality to be able to actually talk to each other right. and not just talk about yeah the issue like about the problems of language well and okay so that's where we wanted to go next anyways you know we've been talking about this a little bit um dr preston sprinkle who we've mm -hmm. had here um and talked to our church about some really difficult issues mm -hmm. um he talks about something called the language of hosp or hosp hospitality of language hospitality of language yeah You're i said close. it backwards i was close uh what is that yeah, and in his particular context, as he's talking about his book, Embodied, talks a lot about how Christians can engage with those who are in the trans community. And so one of the big issues that has come up in the last several years is what do we do with pronouns? If there is a man who's identifying as a woman and wants to be called she, should we call that person a she or mm -hmm. a he? And what is our reasoning for doing that? Yeah. And so one of the things that he writes about in the book is he's like, while theologically I'm going to agree that a man who wants to become a woman is a he, in order to engage in conversation with that person, if we can't even agree on simple pronouns, mm -hmm. we're never going to actually be able to have a discussion. Right. And so in that case, I'm going to lay down my preferences for what I would like to call you in order that we can actually engage in conversation in the name of hospitality. Mm -hmm. I'm not denying the truth of the fact that I think you're male, but I'm being hospitable enough to you that we can actually have a dialogue. And we're mm. not going to get to that if somebody doesn't give. And right. I'm going to follow the example of Jesus. Yeah. And I'm going to give in this particular circumstance so that we can have yeah. that conversation. I think in that there's often a fear. Like a fear yeah. that perhaps in doing that, you're going to push someone farther away from Jesus. Right. Um, but one of the things I love about Preston, he talks about this a lot is that the Bible is very clear that it's the kindness of God mm -hmm. that leads Leads us to repentance. repentance. <laughs> not right? the truth of God, <laughs> not the rightness of God. The kindness, kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And if there's anything that I think this conversation, like a, a ending point of this conversation, which we could talk about language and all of that for a long time, it's that um, kindness in the words that we choose to use with one another has the opportunity to change a life more than directness, <laughs> mm -hmm. more than anger, mm -hmm. more than fear, more than pretty much, I mean, again, even you said truth, <laughs> mm -hmm. kindness, mm -hmm. right, is what leads us to repentance. So I just want to encourage you guys to use, this sounds so simple, but let your words be kind. Yeah. And let your listening be kind as well. <laughs> because you, again, you can't engage in conversation with someone if you're so hung up on the words that they're using that you can't actually listen to what they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, we have a men's event just around the corner, June we 16th. We, we did change uh, the date. We did change <laughs> the date. Um, we had to move it from the 8th to the 16th. So just back eight days or just take the date and double it there you go there you go hey we're really excited it's going to be a chance for us to come together um to listen to brad and keith uh former pastor keith um and He's our current pastor, pastor. not a pastor here uh, our former pastor <laughs> yes. i said that pretty fast we're going to talk about community friendship um but we're also going to spend some time eating food giving away some pretty cool gifts 
and having some competitions because why not? And men love competition. Yeah, yeah, at least this guy does. <laughs> so uh, I plan to win. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I can't host a party and win the prize at the same time. You but can try. I can try. But we're really excited. Um, guys, it's free. Come on by 7 o'clock. Um, again, just come to the church. We'd love to have you. There's more information on our website if you're interested. But again, June 16th, 7 o'clock, competition, some games, some giveaways, some food. All and the things. All the cool things. So. Yeah, and again, if you want more information on that, you can go to b4church.org slash events, and that should be towards the top of the page because it's coming up soon. Speaking yeah, Pastor Keith, Keith he actually is going to be joining us on the podcast yep. next week. Yep. So make sure you join us to hear from him. We're warming him up before he comes to the next right. event. That's so right. Um, we get some practice in. So we'd love for you to join or join us for that. Um, if you want to ensure that you get that episode when it uh, comes out next week, make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast, whether that's on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. If you have a minute, we also appreciate if you rate and review us on any of those platforms because it helps other people find us and also gives us some good feedback. If you have questions that you would like us to answer on the podcast or suggestions or feedback, you can feel free to send an email to podcasts, plural, at b4church.org, and we will get those. We'll also have a link to that email address in the show notes if there's a question that you'd like to send to us. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us today, and we will see you next week. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit b4church.org for more information. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like. Tag us at b4church. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.